All right. Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. We've been walking through Second Peter, and I hope, I hope that you are, you are encouraged, challenged, even to the place of, of feel like there's correction that's needed. Uh, that's, that's hearing from God, okay? That's hearing His message. Uh, that's why we actually walk through the Scriptures, I don't want to bring you stories and, and, and good thoughts and, and things like that. I want to bring you the Word. I want to, that's, what, that's our purpose for the time we're about to enter into. That's why this, this year I've also dedicated that we are going to pray. We're going to pray before every message. And so let's do that now. Pray up what we're about to do. Father in heaven, we praise you, God, that you provide for us everything that we need. Uh, amongst that is, is definitely, Lord, the scriptures that we have that we're going to be looking at this morning. Uh, words from Peter, who spent that time with Jesus, who listened to him. Lord, uh, what he says is, is words from your spirit. It's words from you, Lord. So uh, we pray for our attention, Lord, this morning. Our attention to the scriptures. Our attention to what is being said. And Lord, to the spirit within us. Lord, may he be working to correct, lead, and guide us to be the people you want us to be. We praise you for Jesus. We praise you for what he's done in our life. But we know, Lord, there's much that needs to be worked here in our lives. Father, we want to, to be that light and salt, as Jesus said, uh, to be your people in this world. Guide us through your scriptures this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as I said, we just walked through the cha uh, second chapter of, of Second Peter, and it was full of false teachers. It was pretty heavy in that. Uh, last week, I, I uh, identified that as you know the content of character. Uh, we we looked through and saw the false teachers as as people who were arrogant. They weren't humble. They were not humble. Uh, they were people of of sinfulness. Uh, they were given to adultery and greediness. Matter of fact, man, their great pursuit was, was wealth, you know, gaining as much as they can and using uh, those who were listening to them to, to gain that wealth. And, uh, but, but the greatest uh, probably warning factor uh, that we saw all throughout that chapter is this, that they teach false or they, they teach lies. They teach things that's contrary to what we have within the scriptures. And, and I believe that's the greatest indicator we have today to identify false teachers is the Scripture. Why is it so important that we focus upon Scripture, read Scripture? It's because there are lies out there that we need to be careful of. We're entering into the third chapter today. And, and still in that theme of, of false teachers, this time Peter actually identifies teaching that's coming from them or words that they're speaking. And he deals with that. So that's, that's where we're going to, to, to be looking today. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. I'm going to read those verses, uh, so join along with me if you would. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking, to, to good thinking, to, to genuine thinking. All right? I want you to, to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, 
scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow. Uh, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. This morning, uh, I, I think what we've been going through, the, the, uh, the, the false messages that are out there in this world, you know, how, how do we as a church uh, face that? You know, last week I said, well, there, there's red flags. There's, there's things we could identify, false teachers. I do believe that the best thing we could do as a church is to learn the truth. That, that we know the truth. That each of us pursue the truth through his scriptures. Everyone has the opportunity to sit down and read it and, and, and to learn from it and, and even gather together and encourage one another in it. We need to be people who pursue the truth. And, and overall, in the passage we've just read, uh, I, I want to present this this morning, that through all the lies that we're told in this world, uh, the truth of God will always stand. That truth will always stand. It doesn't change. It's not like the seasons or anything else. God's truth is consistent. And, and therefore, in, in the outline this morning, I'm going to read it all together, first of all. You have it before you, uh, maybe on the sheets that's in the bulletin. But here's, here's the direction I believe Peter runs in, 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 in these verses. Uh, first of all, we'll, we'll look at how the truth stands today. And then we'll move on as the truth has stood in the past. And then finally, as we, uh, so, so that the truth of God continues uh, in the future. Or it stands also in the future. The truth always stands, no matter the period of time. So first of all, let's, let's enter into this. First of all, the truth stands today. In the first three verses, Peter, in, in chapter 1, actually said this previous, what he says in, in especially verse 2. Uh, and, he, and what he's speaking about is, is the words that he shared. He spoke, if you remember chapter 1, the gospel message, laid it out. And, and, and through the message that he, he spread, he said, man, you've been established in this truth and then he says that I'll go ahead and, and, and indicates that he's going to have this written down to be a continuous reminder. In verse 2, here's what he says. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. What a description of, of the scriptures we have, right? The Old Testament through the holy uh, prophets uh, a message came through God that's been written down for us. And, and what's the New Testament except through the apostles, uh, those eyewitnesses written down so that we know it. So the truth 
that we have today comes from his word. There in, in, within that second verse, we could see that. Now, as, as we open up into this, in, in verse 3, he says, no, yeah, verse, verse 3, he says, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. Now, what he's identifying, the false teachers are now the scoffers he's mentioning here. And, and it speaks of the message that they, they share. What, who, who are the scoffers? They're people who mock, disrespect, and, and distort God's word. Uh, they scoff at the idea of anything coming from God or a message that's coming from God. They scoff at the morality or the righteousness, the message of righteousness that Peter even spoke about in chapter 1. They mock that. And, and matter of fact, in, in verse 3, it says, they follow their own evil desires. I'm going to go back to verse 1. You know, what is he calling us to do? Hey, listen, for you, uh, you need to, I, he, he's writing to stimulate you into wholesome or good thinking. That's not the false teachers. That's not these scoffers. That they're not embracing this message. They themselves the foundation they stand upon is their own evil desires. Understand that. Uh, they also scoff prophecy. They scoff prophecy. In verse 4, he comes along and says, uh, where is this coming that he spoke of? In the Gospels, we go back there and look several times where Jesus speaks of his return, that he's coming again. And, and matter of fact, in their scoffing, what, what do they mean? You know, where, where is his coming? Where, you know, he said he was going to come. He hasn't come yet. Where, where's that, when's that going to happen? Matter of fact, it goes on. It says, as the ancestors before. Is, you know, and, and now today, everything's going on as it was before. There's, there's no change. We'll go into that a little bit later. But, but they're saying, hey, Jesus hasn't come. Nothing's changed. They're actually challenging any kind of divine interruption in the world. Because that's what Jesus' return is going to be. Is going to be a divine interruption in all things, interruption in time. And so they're mocking, they're, what they're mocking is this. And, and matter of fact, NIV calls it ancestors. So we quickly go back and think of, of those in the Old Testament. I was challenged to think in, by, by a different thought of that, that what they're speaking of, like in ESV, calls them fathers. Those who were from the beginning believers in Christ. Those who were established, those apostles, when Jesus presented that message, that, that what happened, you know, Jesus presented the message, it got these guys going, and, and as they die off, the message of the scoffers is, well, okay, he, he's, he's not here. It, it is actually the idea that Jesus was going to return sometime within the lifetime of the apostles. They were going to be able to see him again, and the church was going to be realized. And, and, and so that idea is, well, hey, Peter's gone, Paul's gone. Again, you know, he's talking about these scoffers will come. Peter's talking, you know, writing this towards the end of his life. And, and so these scoffers are going to come. And, and when you're all alone without the apostles, guess what? Oh, where is he? <laughs> Let me drop that on you. Why isn't he here? We know the book of Acts, they were anticipating Jesus' return as we are anticipating Jesus' return today, right? So they were scoffing at the idea that Jesus was going to return. Listen, true stance today, 
And part of that, I just want to re-emphasize again, as we usually do, that the truth stands in God's word. It's, it's through those that God, through his Holy Spirit, gave that message and recorded for us. How precious is his word. And we could place our confidence in what it says and what it directs for our lives. Both in that area of morality, calling us to, to righteousness, right? And also in that area of prophecy. Matter of fact, I, I want to point this out. There is a fulfillment of prophecy through Peter here uh, that, that we could look at today. That the idea that Peter is speaking about false prophets, it, it's about these false teachers, they're coming. And in, in chapter 1, is it, hey, these false teachers are going to be among you. It, it's a future thing. And here, these scoffers, they will come. And, and we know of scoffers today, even. And, and after the death of all the apostles, and after Peter's, they came. And they began to lay out these questions and challenges and, and uh the challenge of where is God? You know, who is God? And, and, and uh, if, if, if God is real, why so much hurt and pain in this world? You, you know some of the things of, of scoffers today. As truth stands today, the, the, the truth has stood in the past as well. Peter makes that point in verses 4 through 7 as we're looking through this. He makes that point. I, I want to go back to 4 because in that, that idea that, hey, Jesus isn't come back. And, and one of the reasons they do is actually uh, the foundation that they stand upon. One of the things that they believe they stand upon in verse 4, where he says, Everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Uh, we kind of get there as well. Jesus hasn't come back. Guess what? We, we expect Monday to come, right? You got plans for Monday? Anybody? Tuesday, Wednesday? Who has a birthday this week? Anybody? plans to say, all right, Mark. Oh, no, no, it's RJ. You got a birthday this week, buddy? Okay. Well, very good. So we got plans for a birthday party. I mean, that's that's the way we live life. And guess what? Next Sunday, we're going to be back here, right? Uh, Actually, actually in Scripture, it says, you know, the Lord willing, we'll be back here, (laughs) you know, because we we have that idea that Jesus is coming again. But in their world, the foundation they're standing upon is this, man, Look how long we've been here. Day after day after day, and I'm just expecting tomorrow. And, and, and so that's how they live their lives. And yet, Peter comes along and challenges that. In, 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 cha- in, in verse 5 of this passage, he, he, he underlines, you know, and underline this, the, their great problem. But they deliberately forget but they deliberately forget. Let's start there. What, what are they doing? Peter says they are making a choice. They're making a choice. Choice to do what? That long ago, they're, they're, they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. They forget this, that by God's word, he created. He's starting there, that, that he created. And he... There's actually two days, especially with his emphasis on water. It's day two and day three of God's creation. And day two, he separated the waters. It says he separated the waters. There's waters below and the waters above. And, and he, he did it with a vault. 
Uh, that's what NIV uses the word vault. And, and that vault he named sky. So there's, there's waters down on the earth and there's waters above and the sky in between. And then in, in, on day number three, he, he uh, divided the waters with land. And, and on land was vegetation, but as he divided the waters, that separated the oceans. And, and so we have the oceans. You see, God in his, with his word, the focus is this, that God, according to his word, was active in creation. He's a sovereign God. He speaks, and, and, and things happened, and creation happened. That, that he connects with verse 6. This is important. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. Deluged meaning flooded and destroyed. He's speaking about the flood. So in their thinking, oh, everything has gone on as it always has. No, it hasn't. According to God's word, things began and then because of evil and, and because of sinfulness, God brought about the flood. Uh, through his sa- the same word that he spoke things into existence, it was through his word there came a flood. What's interesting in that, in that we see the, the vault and the separation of the two waters. In, in Genesis chapter 7 and, and verse, uh, let me see, I think verse 11. I'm either, oh yeah, I'm on another page, sorry. <laughs> That's what happens when you walk away from your notes. Genesis 7:11. he says, On that day all the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of the heavens were opened. So, so just as we see in creation, God speaks and separates the water in the destruction of the world through the flood. It's almost like he removed the vault. You know, the, it, it came from above and it came from below. It's, it, I know many of you might have experienced flooding before, but nothing like in the day when God's judgment was pronounced upon this world and it destroyed everything. And, and, and there's evidence. You know, there are those who say, well, you know, they, they conveniently or deliberately forget. There are people who choose today not to investigate or look, but, but there is so much evidence for the flood that God's judgment of the flood coming. I mean, there's the fossil record of sea creatures up in higher elevations and layers that, that are out. We could go into all kinds of things. There, there is a, a layers of sediment throughout the world in large areas that could be detected. Um, and and uh, like I say, there's, there's several. Oh, uh, the, the, the uh, uh, fossil record of plants and animals that, that were perfectly laid out as if something happened drastically quickly. And, and, and so fossil record is one of the amazing things that we could look at to, to see the evidence of a worldwide flood. There's evidence, though. There's evidence that we could look at and weigh and say, you know, that, that there was a time when a great flood came upon this world. It was God's first judgment. What's interesting, what Peter is laying out here is, is, is actually a division uh, within all of time, from the time of creation to the end of time. Uh, he lays it out and he divides it between his two judgments. Uh, there was a judgment that came and has happened. That's the challenge that Peter throws back to them. You're ignoring the fact that God has brought his judgment upon the earth before through that flood. 
And there is a judgment yet to come. Therefore, there's that period of time from creation to the first judgment. And we're in that second period of time. From the first judgment to a judgment that is yet to take place. To a judgment that yes, not not by water, but by fire. Look at verse 7. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. Being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So we're in that period between the two judgments. Between a judgment God had already conducted. And it was through that judgment that God chose Noah. You know, it's through God's grace he brought Noah through the flood to preserve life. Right? And in that time between that first judgment and the judgment to come, what's taken place? God's pursuit of humanity. Right? First he chose Abraham to create for himself a nation. To bring them into a covenant that says, I will be your God, you will be my people. To prepare them for a judgment to come. Right? It, it was all laid out in the Old Testament. And, and through that nation we know today, praise God, for Jesus. Right? And, and, and what we have through Jesus is that opportunity to be preserved as, as well. Our lives to be preserved through the coming judgment. That's the period we're living in now. And what are we doing? We're waiting for the day. Could it be today? Could it be tomorrow? Who knows? Will we meet next week? Lord willing, unless he comes again. And if he comes again, for those who are ready, praise God. Right? Praise God. So, God, God, God's true stance today, it, it has stood in the, in, in, throughout history. Uh, it, he has acted upon what he said. And you know what we have in the future? God has a promise that that, that judgment, that day of Jesus' return is coming. That third point. So the truth will stand in the future. The truth uh, about the future, that, that Jesus is coming. Matter of fact, one of the words that Jesus said was in Matthew 24, 37. He, he had a conversation or, or was sharing about this second coming. But in this one sentence, he says, As it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. I want you to think about this. Noah was that means of salvation or, or the one who is going to, that God is going to preserve life for animals and for humans through his judgment. And today it's Jesus. Today, Jesus, who, who we hear the warning from that we could be preserved through the, the, the coming destruction through fire. It is the whole point Peter is making. He says, listen. It is through a sovereign God who's spoken that we need to listen to. He's brought the destruction through flood. He is bringing, by his promise, a destruction through fire. And it's coming. And, and there's scoffers out there today. Are you familiar with them? Uh, there, there's, there's movies that scoff the idea of the return of Jesus. And I, I've seen it poked fun at or made fun of. And, and so... And perhaps you're familiar with those as well. But there, it's, it's a big joke to a lot of people, but not to us. We're anticipating way. Here's the question that, that Peter really deals with. Why so long? Why, why so long? Why, why is he detained? Because we might have that question. It's been a long time since Jesus was here, right? 2,000 years? 
Why, why should we be so anxious about tomorrow and thinking that Jesus might come? Well, look at verse 8. In there, Peter says, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. So, so for, for me, you know, I, I might have a life expectancy of, what, maybe another 20 years, 30, 40, 80 to, to you know, maybe 80 to 100 years old. I don't want to be around that long. Anyway, not, not 100, please. But anyway, that, that idea of, you know, I, I have these days. And what, what, it's been thousands of years, a couple thousand years since Jesus was even here and saying, hey, I'm going to return. Well, for God, it's different, right? Sovereign, eternal God, what, what does he, you know, what's his perspective of time? Well, he started things and, and, and what Peter says is a thousand days is like, no, a thousand years is like one day. We're, we're talking about God has walked through two days, you know, entering the third day. And so for him, it's a couple of days. For you and I, oh, wow, it seems so long. The next point he makes is significant. The next point he makes is significant in verse 9. Listen to what he says. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. His promise of what? Of, of Jesus' return and of the judgment that's coming. He's not slow about that. Why? As some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. What, what, why are we even here today? It's because God is patient. It's because God is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Oh, man, what a powerful verse. Well, that's one of the reasons why I said, man, when I wake up in the morning and I think it is another day of God's, at least to say, it's another day of God's patience and mercy. We have another day of God's. Jesus didn't come while I was asleep. He didn't come yesterday. He's given us another day, and it is evidence of his patience and his mercy. Praise God for this day, right? Because those who have not made things right through Jesus Christ, not come to God through repentance and, and through the covering of his blood and come into a right relationship with him, which is exactly what you need to do before that day of judgment comes. It's exactly what you need to do before that day of judgment is, comes, where, where everything is destroyed, including the ungodly. That's what the passage says. And, and, and uh, it, it has given you time to do what? To act out that repentance. God, forgive my sinfulness. And, and to receive Jesus as your Savior. That's the opportunity. That's the opportunity you have in God's patience. But I think it's also you know, a message for you and I. Those of you on the other side of receiving Jesus. What, what would that message be? Get busy. <laughs> Get busy. Who do you know within your family that has not received Jesus? Are you praying for them? Are you talking to them? Are you preparing them for the judgment to come? I know lots of prayers are being said for family members and neighbors and people in our community. People need to know. And guess what? He's laid that upon the church. He's laid that responsibility on you and I. These days of his patience and his, his mercy and grace 
are days where we as a church could be actively spreading the gospel message to our neighbors, to our family, to people we work with, to people who need to know that Jesus is, there, is available to be their Savior as well. Isn't that right? April 1st. April Fool's Day. April 1st, uh, we have an opportunity to join uh, four other churches, five other churches here in the community uh, to be a part of uh, uh, what, what's called Saturate America. It, it's uh, basically a gift of a DVD that tells the story of Jesus through Luke's gospel. And, and so uh, it is a means, and it also includes a track that, that goes through this plan of salvation. And so... Uh, uh, I'm just introducing it today, but you'll hear more details about it. We, we're going to gather on that day, join these churches, and, and, and take these into the neighborhoods. So part of that is just go up, if no one home, just put it on the door. Or if someone's outside, you go hand it to them and, and introduce them to Jesus. Something we're going to be a, a part of. I'm excited again because we, we're joining with other congregations to do what? Spread the gospel. Spread the gospel. Listen, Peter, now read this again when you have an opportunity. Read this passage again. Peter walks through, and, and uh, man, the message that Peter speaks is truth. Why? Because Peter was the one who was invested in by Jesus and, and then has received the Holy Spirit and, and has that words of the gospel that, that, man, we're so dependent upon, that we're turned to. We, we want to feed and strengthen the Holy Spirit within us through his word. The foundation they, again, stand upon are, are lies. The foundation that we stand upon is that truth, that truth of Jesus and the, the gospel message of his dying on our behalf. Let me ask you, are, are we ready? Are, are we busy? <laughs> if you haven't received Jesus, man, the encouragement, by, you know, we'll have an opportunity, man. Today is a day to receive Jesus as your Savior, to, to, to follow him genuinely in this life. And, and if, if you have received Christ, man, how, how's it going in spreading that gospel message? How are we doing? Are we actively doing that and praying for and, and speaking to those who have not made that decision? Let's pray right now, all right? Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for Jesus. We praise you for the message that Peter has relayed and Paul has relayed, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and, and John, that, that they've written down these words that are precious to us. Uh, they are truth. Father, there, it, is, it is also true that this world has so many messages, and there are those who would even enter into the doors of the church and begin to declare messages that that's just not true. Uh, Lord, we just pray that you strengthen us as, as a body of believers. Strengthen us in your word. Help us to know it. Help us to, to set it upon, uh, not just in our thinking, but in our hearts and in our actions, Lord. We praise you, Father, for uh, the fact that, that your word is truth. And that, Lord, we could be confident in it, not just for today, but for everything you said and promised for tomorrow. God, we just ask that you guide and lead us in this life to embrace, to love, and uh, to follow after uh, your word and, and in your way, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.